The British, the British dream. Below our expectations. We're about to become all country. We're about to become country. Wonderful to be here. The British dream podcast. Join us. Powerful people as we launch up despicable acts like these and a sickening and barbaric politics. What I hate about this Shut up in your face. is that it's so violent. When the next phase of this disaster comes, they will come for you. Hello and welcome to the British Dream, Vice's politics podcast. My name is Simon Childs, Home Affairs Editor at Vice.com. In 2018, the British Dream will be coming out every two weeks, so go and subscribe and tell your nan. Today on the pod, we're kicking off the first in a series called Speeching. That's proper insight and analysis into the political proclamations that nobody really bothered to listen to the first time around. I'm going to be looking at what Jeremy Corbyn said in his foreign policy speech to the UN Assembly in December. It was an interesting one because it set out what you could call the Corbyn Doctrine on foreign policy. It's my great pleasure to introduce Jeremy Corbyn. Try to calm down and behave like an adult. You probably didn't hear Jeremy Corbyn's foreign policy speech to the UN in December. Even as political speeches go, nobody really listened to it. That was partly because the delivery of it was really boring. But also it didn't fit any predetermined media narratives. Uh, there wasn't any particular banana skin moment. But low-key, I think it was actually really significant and marked a rhetorical shift in terms of how British politicians talk about foreign policy. International cooperation, solidarity, collective action are values that we are determined to reject into our foreign policy. Those values will inform everything the next Labour government does on the world stage, using diplomacy to expand a progressive, rules-based international system, which provides justice and security for all. So already this is sounding really different from anything the Tories have been serving up recently and also from recent Labour leaders. Recently the Tories have tried to project this fairly ridiculous idea that Britain is leading the world in certain things when we're obviously not. A great example is Theresa May's recent environment speech where she said we're leading the world in the battle for better air quality when in fact the UK has lobbied in the EU against higher air quality controls. And similarly with Brexit in general, the whole idea is that we're going to be some kind of major player on the world stage again, which is presumably not going to happen. Instead, Corbyn's talking in terms of a more internationalist outlook, solidarity, putting Britain on a level playing field with everyone else in the world. The dominant global system is, quite frankly, broken. It is producing a world where a wealthy few control 90% of global resources, of growing insecurity and grotesque levels of inequality within and between nations, where more than $100 billion a year are estimated to be lost to developing countries from corporate tax avoidance. Nearly every politician is going to give some sort of Miss World-style spiel about ending world poverty. Jeremy Corbyn's demand for systematic change is a bit different to what Theresa May would be saying. He also goes further than saying we need to end poverty and says that we actually need to end inequality. He then goes on to outline measures like creating a legally binding treaty to regulate transnational big business with human rights law. So he's aligning himself with sort of international civil society, charities, NGOs and so on, rather than talking about the national interests and how Britain can be better like the Tories might do. Tomorrow is International Anti-Corruption Day. Corruption isn't something that just happens over there, our government has played a central role in enabling the corruption that undermines democracy and violates human rights. It's a global issue that requires 
a global response. So here he's basically undermining the idea that there are loads of little banana republics and tin pot dictatorships around the world that would be rich if only it wasn't for the scourge of corruption. Corruption obviously is a problem, but it's one that can originate in, for instance, tax havens, which are often British overseas territories and crown dependencies. If this was Theresa May, you'd be getting a load of guff about how Britain is leading the way in cracking down on tax havens, when actually we're one of the world's biggest facilitators of tax dodging. He then moves on to climate change, which he's concerned about, and the environment, which he is broadly in favour of. Two months ago, I promised the Prime Minister of Antigua and Barbuda, Gaston Brown, that I would use this platform today to make this message clear. His islands have been ravaged by the hurricane. The international community must mobilise resources and the world's biggest polluters shoulder the biggest burden. This is the point at which he brings in the armed forces and you can start to get a sense of how Corbynism might try and make a slightly awkward accommodation with some level of militaristic jingoism into the otherwise very anti-military foreign policy which is maybe fine if he doesn't end up bombing anyone. So I ask the governments of the most polluting countries, including my own, first, expand their capacity to respond to disasters all around the world. Our armed forces, some of the best trained and most highly skilled in the world, should be allowed and able to use their experience to respond even more to humanitarian emergencies. Italy is among those leading the way, with its navy becoming more versatile and more of a multi-force role. It's interesting here that he is willing, to some extent, to call out Britain as being a dickhead on the international stage. Whereas other politicians have expressed their concern about a humanitarian crisis in Yemen, Corbyn here is saying Britain is partly responsible for it. And it feels quite unusual for a politician to cast off jingoism entirely and blame his own country for bad shit that's happening. Total British government aid to Yemen last year was under £150 million, rather less than the profits made by companies selling weapons to Saudi Arabia. What does that say about priorities? And what does that say about the role we should be playing in the humanitarian disaster now gripping Yemen? Cholera is a wholly preventable disease and it's rife in Yemen. Okay, so far so good. But, and there's always a but, it's interesting to look back at this speech that was made at the beginning of December and then to think about what the Labour Party said at the end of December when people started protesting against the theocratic regime in Iran. Then you had Emily Thornberry basically prevaricating over whether or not to support the protest because as far as she was concerned it wasn't quite clear who the good guys were and who the bad guys were even in the context of people taking to the streets against a horribly autocratic regime. Maybe that exposes a slightly uncomfortable situation in the Labour Party with regards to foreign policy. No more bomb first and think and talk later. No more double standards in foreign policy. No more scapegoating of global institutions for the sake of scoring political points at home. Instead, solidarity calm leadership and cooperation. Together, we can build a new social and economic system with human rights and justice at its core. Corbyn has these fairly straightforwardly old-school left-wing anti-imperialist politics. And while that means he voted against the Iraq war, he's also been pretty chill about hanging around with some people who have some quite dodgy connections, but they're anti-America, so that means they're cool. 
And in 2014, he spoke at a rally celebrating 35 years of the Iranian Revolution. My point is that we need to have a uh, much more significant understanding of the history of Iran and Britain's relations with Iran if we're to bring about a new chapter in relations that I hope are going to bring about peace. And that's pretty different to Emily Thornberry, the Shadow Foreign Secretary. She voted for the disastrous intervention in Libya in 2011 and to bomb Iraq and ISIS in 2014. She gets a lot of love for being this cool, sassy figure, but she's basically more hawkish, more into liberal interventionist politics than Jeremy Corbyn is. Maybe the Labour Party's silence over Iran was some deaf diplomacy of not bungling in like a stupid Boris Johnson figure when you don't really know what's going on. But it felt a bit more like a fudge. It's not like the situation is really a simple binary of goodies versus baddies. To take just one example, the TUC released a statement in support of jailed independent trade unionists. That wasn't so hard. Why couldn't Labour do that as well? We can live in a more peaceful world. The desire to help create a better life for all burns within us. Governments, civil society, social movements and international organisations can all help realise that goal. We need to redouble, redouble our efforts to create a global rules-based system that applies to all and works for the many, not the few. Overall, Corbyn presents a vision of the world that is less of a nightmare than Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un squaring up to each other. And his vision of world peace is less of a fantasy than Empire 2.0 and Theresa May's misplaced British chauvinism. But his silence on Iran might raise some questions about how far this will really go and how disagreements within the Labour Party might get in the way of international solidarity. Is it a case of close but no cigar? Alright, that's that one. Let me know what you think. Hit me up on Twitter, at SimonCharles13. The British Dream was produced by Sam Bonham at Rethink Audio. Stay positive, keep the dream alive. <laughs>